If you have your um, uh, sermon page uh, in your bulletin, you may want to follow along there. If you had a kid with you, there's some places where they may want to help you kind of fill in some of the blanks. We're glad to have all of the kids with us today. If you have your Bibles, you might want to open them to 1 Samuel uh, 19. We're going to get there in just a little bit. That'll be our text uh, from today. Also, uh, there's some yellow sticky notes that everyone's going to need in a little bit, and I put a, a stack of those on every row. And so uh, I think on the inside or outside rows, you'll see some sticky notes, and if you see them there in the pocket or in the, uh, there below the chair, if you can just pass those down, everyone will need a sticky note a little bit later on, so you might want to go ahead and, and do that. So uh, we've been going through this series called Declutter Your Soul, Decluttering Your Soul, and we're trying to get rid of the stuff that keeps us from our soul being whole and full and with God. And last week we talked about decluttering our schedules. And there were some cool wins that we had uh, where some people experienced God's goodness in their life. And they, a few people shared with me. I just want to share a couple of those things with you to hopefully encourage you. We, we really encourage people to audit their schedule last week and to think about how am I spending my hours. And then uh, we had some practical challenges and, and several people took the challenge to completely get off of all social media and or TV for an entire week. And uh, that probably felt like a big stretch, but they learned a lot of things. And I want to share a few of the things that people learned. One person wrote, it was helpful and a relief for me to confess I was addicted to my phone. Uh, also, I want to thank you for the declutter challenge this week of minimizing or removing social media for a week. It has been a huge breath of fresh air. I have found when there is an urge to do something on my phone, I just select the Bible app and read a devotion or other scripture. Instead of getting home and taking a break with my phone, I have taken a break with my girls. I did not realize how much time I spent just looking on social media. I have also realized that life still goes on and I am still informed on what is important. So see, if, if a bomb's going to hit, we're still going to find out, right? And um, sometimes we think, i got to look to find out everything, and we'll find out the important stuff. Another person wrote... Um, I had an aha moment after I had gotten angry about something. Um, as soon as I was angry, I headed for the remote to turn on the TV, and I stopped dead in my tracks, realizing I was using TV to cope with my anger. TV um, started out as entertainment, but it had morphed into a tool to numb my emotions, transporting me from my world problems and altering my view uh, for the gain of the merchants and advertisers on the TV. Another... Uh, wrote, usually every break I get, I, I scroll through social media. Today, every time I felt the urge to do that, instead, I sent an encouraging text to a friend. It's been the most amazing day. Those are some cool wins, some cool things that you all did. And I just want to encourage you again today, lean into this. See what God wants to teach you. Don't be afraid to take a challenge. And by the way, I had about 12 people send me a note in the last couple weeks. Every one of them was a female. Guys, up your game. Okay? I think sometimes, guys, we think we're all tough, but we're afraid to take a risk like this. And maybe we took the risk and we just, you know, are bad with words, so you didn't tell me about it. And uh, I want to encourage everybody, young, old, male, female, to lean into this and to see how God maybe encourages you. And, and then if, if something is, is really helpful, share that with me, because I, I do appreciate you sharing them. So there's a, a comedian, an actor named Ray Romano, and what you may not know about Ray Romano is he lived with his parents for the first 29 years of his life. He was, uh, as a young adult, 
a starving comedian. He could tell funny jokes. He just never got paid for them. And uh, eventually, you know, he hit it big. His show, Everybody Loves Raymond, and, and became a hit. He became one of the highest paid actors in television history. And he moved out of his parents' house, got this really nice place in New York. And when he was unpacking his boxes, he found a little handwritten note from his brother. And the note said, hey, Ray, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And he wept because he realized that now more than ever in his life, he was gaining the whole world, at least in some people's eyes. And his soul needed great care as well. It was a great reminder that he read. And what we've been talking about here is the soul is you. When we say, what is the soul? It's you. It's all of you. It's not just a bit of DNA or flesh and bones or a little bit of hair. It's, it's all of you. It means your spirit, hopefully full of the Holy Spirit now. It also means your mind and your emotions. It also means your body. It's part of your soul because we come packaged in this thing called the body. Talk about more of that next week. It, also, you are partly made up of your social interactions, your friendships. You know that if something goes wrong with a friendship or an important relationship, your soul is not healthy anymore because that becomes part of who we are and, and how we are with friends and relationships. And all of this is kind of packaged into this thing we call the soul. And the soul matters when it comes to, to friendships I was reading from America's Psychologist magazine recently had a study that says social connection, friendships, should be a public health priority. And in this study, it says social connection is associated with a 50% reduced risk of early death. So you want to eliminate 50% of the risk of early death? Have friends. It's that important because how we are with friends and social relationships impacts even our bodies. And in this study they cited, they said, loneliness is comparable to the risk of smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Keith Manry said, of all the things that caused me to stop and wonder, one of the questions that I simply have not been able to come up with an answer to is why so many people are looking for meaningful friendships and yet so few actually find them. Well, I, I think that I can demonstrate this to you just a little bit as we talk about decluttering our friendships. We're not talking about getting rid of friends. We're talking about getting rid of the stuff that clutters our friendships. And my friend, Riley, is going to help me. So, Riley, if you, can you come on up here for a minute? And, Riley, you can just stand right up here on the stage. Everybody say, hey, Riley. Riley. Hey, Riley. Is today your birthday? Yeah. Oh, and happy birthday to you. How old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. And your grandma bought you Starbucks this morning, I saw. You have a good grandma. Okay. All right, so Riley, um, I'm just going to make up a story about you. This is not true. But um, let's pretend, I mean, Riley and I are friends, and, and let's pretend that um, Riley and I, um, you know, like to, like to do coffee at Starbucks, and we like to hang out. We're friends. But Riley gets some other interests as well, and um, she just starts... She's, she's found out that she likes my favorite cartoon when I was growing up, so much. You, and you start watching Scooby-Doo like crazy, okay? Every time it's on, you watch it, you watch all of the old, and, it, and it, you know, Scooby-Doo is, is a great little show, but you start watching it so much, it kind of clutters up your life a little bit, so just hold that box like that. Can you hold that there? And, you know, that's fine, and we're still friends and stuff, um, 
But then you, you get a little job. You start working at one of those little ice cream places, and you're, you're there, and you're selling ice cream, and it's fun, and you want some money, but then you want even more money. So you start taking on everybody's extra hours, and you work and work and work, and you start doing more and more and more. And so that just kind of adds this little bit of clutter to your life. And you enjoy social media, and your, your Instagram page um, is, is liked by a lot of people, so you've got to impress all of, all of your people and, and show them, you know, when you brush your teeth and you do a picture of your toothbrush or whatever. And so that becomes really important. And so social media becomes really important and it just comes right there. Are you okay? All right. And so um, that becomes important and school is important and school is a good thing. We want kids, we want you all to work hard at school, but maybe you just get a little bit over the top in how much you're working at school because you don't want just an A plus, you want an A plus on every single thing, and if you don't get an A plus, you cry yourself to sleep, and because of that, you work and you work and you work so crazy that it actually be, starts to clutter up your life just a little bit, and then you start working out and exercising, and that's a really good thing, but you kind of get a little bit out of control with it, and you're working out two or three hours a day, and you say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to come over, friends because I got to go work out, and you cancel uh, any type of th time to hang out with your friends, and so we hardly see each other ever at all, and sometimes we talk about the things that come between us in relationships, right? And sometimes we think they're all these terrible things. They may be good things, but we have too many of them, and this is what happens with a cluttered friendship. It's not that Riley doesn't still think I'm her friend. It's just there's so much stuff in between us. And it's about ready to topple down. Okay, we can set that down. <laughs> Everybody give Riley a hand. Happy birthday, Riley. Oftentimes, it's the good things in life that clutter up our friendships, not the bad things. And so we have to be kind of ruthlessly honest with ourselves. Is that good thing actually becoming a bad thing in my life? Is it cluttering up? everything that's going on. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Samuel 19. And as we think about how people today are apt to move multiple times, they're apt to isolate themselves in a house, you know, drive in, close the garage door before the crazy neighbor comes and says hello. Um, you know, privacy fences around, we drive everywhere, we don't walk anywhere, and uh, we in entertainment can now come to our home, so we don't even go out for entertainment lots of times. And all of this can isolate us from friendships, and this impacts us. And so 1 Samuel 19 and 20 are really helpful to us. So Saul, King Saul, was an anointed king, and he started off a good king, and then he ended up being kind of a bad king. He was jealous and prideful and even violent, paranoid. And he had a son named Jonathan, and you would think that Jonathan would probably be the next king. But God said, no, it's not going to be Jonathan. It's going to be David. And David wasn't Saul's son. So you would think that Jonathan and David would be rivals, each trying to become the next king. But they weren't rivals. They were great friends. The Bible tells us they were one in spirit. And they cared for one another um, as they cared for themselves. Kind of sounds like the golden rule there, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that's a description of their friendship. That's how they loved each other and cared for each other. And David served under King Saul, and Saul became really jealous, and sometimes he even tried to kill David. He even threw a spear at David and tried to kill him. And so uh, David would run away, and things would kind of get repaired. But then David married Saul's daughter, Michael. So now it's gotten really complicated. Imagine that Thanksgiving lunch. You know, 
your, this guy, your father-in-law has just tried to kill you, but you're trying to be nice and respectful. And it is kind of a crazy situation. But all the way through this, Jonathan is still David's friend. And so at chapter, chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, verse 4 is where I want to begin reading in our story today. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands, and he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. So it seems like things get kind of patched up. But soon thereafter, David is playing music for Saul again. Saul gets angry and jealous and throws the spear and tries to kill him again. And this time, Saul sends the brute squad to try to finish it. So David goes home, and his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter realizes that they're trying to kill him, so she deploys the oldest trick in the book, kids. I bet you've tried this before. She says, David, you run out the window, and she gets some pillows and puts them under the covers of the bed to make it look like a body, and it says she even got some goat hair and put it there to make it look like David's hair, which makes me wonder a little bit about David's hair. Um, (laughs) But maybe it was dark, and they come in, and they're tricked, and by the time they figure out that, hey, that's not David, that's just a lump of pillow and some goat hair... By that time, David has already escaped. And so uh, now we come over to chapter 20 to see what has happened. David has fled, and he meets up with Jonathan. What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Verse 2. Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this, or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So the two devise this plan that David was going to hide and Jonathan liked to do target practice with his bow and arrow. And they figured out a plan that if it was safe for David, he would shoot it one direction. If he needed to run away, he would shoot it another direction. And a couple days later, Jonathan is at this party with his dad, this feast, and his dad goes into this other, to the rage again and he wants to kill David wherever he is. And Jonathan defends David and says, Dad, David's an all right guy. He's a good guy. And this time, you know how sometimes if you can't win an argument, you just throw stuff? It's like, well, I, I, can't, I can't make any logical sense. So I'm just going to get mad and throw stuff. And that's what Saul did. He actually threw his spear this time at his own son, Jonathan. And Jonathan dodged the spear and ran away to warn David. And at this point, we've got to conclude something. Saul was bad at darts because he keeps missing everybody. But actually, he was a great warrior. So maybe David and Jonathan were just great at dodgeball because they're running from, for their lives. And so Jonathan goes out. He shoots the the arrow with his bow one direction, so David sees it, and he's like, oh, I got to run. It's not safe for me to, say, to stay here. And so Jonathan and David did what some of you have done. They said goodbye. As best friends, they like, this might be it. We might never see each other again. 
and they hugged and they cried and they said goodbye and David fled to try to escape Saul's evil, Saul trying to kill him. And so it was a terrible thing, but it showed how much they cared for each other. And this text shows us some really important things about friendship. And if you've got your sermon page and want to fill in the blanks or kind of follow along there, there's just three things we want to talk about what a true friend does. Because not only did David and Jonathan treat each other this way, but we should treat each other this way as well. And all the Bible confirms this. First of all, true friends are vulnerable. Now, vulnerable means that you will risk your life for the other, that you'll be totally honest with them. You'll tell them everything that they need to know, and you won't try to just protect yourself and not really talk to them and be honest with them. You'll be completely honest and even willing to risk your own life. That's how vulnerable we become. And uh, sometimes, you know, I think, I think we guys struggle with this one a little bit more, but I think ladies do too. We don't want people to know that we have some weaknesses or some problems and we refuse vulnerability. But if we aren't willing to be honest with each other, we're not gonna ever have deep friendships. So we have to be vulnerable and and to do that with each other. And I I love Jonathan, he's an amazing person. I actually dressed like him for Halloween a couple years in a row. That's the kid I was. But I I really did because I, I got to carry around like the little bow and arrow with the little spongy suction cup thing on it. But Jonathan's an incredible person. He was willing to risk his life for his friends. So true friends are vulnerable. Secondly, true friends are thoughtful. Thoughtful. So this means they're available, they're thinking, they're kind, they're gentle, they're going to do the right things. I love what Proverbs 16.24 says. If you need a verse to memorize this week, this would be it. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. So your words can actually help heal someone's body. I'm not meaning that in some really weird, strange way. I'm saying that our words have power, that when you speak kindly to someone, it's good for their soul, for all of them, for their mind, their emotions, their body, their whole soul, it's good for them. It's beautiful, and when we say unkind words, I mean, those stay with us sometimes for our whole lives when people say unkind things to us, right? So we have this great responsibility to speak thoughtful things. But thoughtful friends don't just speak kind words. They also listen. They listen. Did you catch that David and Jonathan were having an argument? David said, basically, Saul, your dad's trying to kill me. And what was Jonathan's first response? Nah, he's not trying to kill you. If anything was going to happen, I would find out about it first. And David's like, bro, you're not listening to me. Your dad is trying to kill me. I promise. And did you catch what Jonathan did? He backs down from the argument. He doesn't keep saying, no, 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 no. No, my dad would never kill you. My dad would never. He says, oh, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And sometimes when somebody says, hey, listen to me. This is happening to me, or I I need your help. And we're like, ah, you're fine. Quit making a big deal about it. And we almost have an answer for people before we listen to them, and we just need to listen to our friends and be like, oh, okay, I'm listening. Now, Now I'm in a position to help you. So true friends are vulnerable, and true friends are thoughtful. True friends are also reliable almost all the time. 
Jonathan stood up to his dad and said, Dad, you were wrong about David. That's a reliable friend. Because Proverbs 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A British magazine had a, had a contest, and they said, we want the best definition of friendship. And here was the winner. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. We need a friend who will come in when the rest of our world has gone out. And David and Jonathan were that kind of friends for each other. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Because really good friends make each other better. A whole bunch of our junior high students were at a Believe conference that Christ and Youth puts on this weekend. And I love that they were together because students, you're better when you have good friends with you. You're always better. And so have good, godly friends with you. Still be friends with anybody at school. Always be friendly. But you need some friends who are godly and will help you be better. And we all need that. We never outgrow that in our lives. But I do want to drop just a couple warnings to you about this friendship thing. The first of all, first is this, don't expect your friendships to replace the friendship you should have with God. Did you notice I said true friends are reliable almost all the time? Because let's let's be honest, we aren't going to be perfect, and so let's not demand that our friends be perfect. Now, if a friend hurts your feelings, if a friend lets you down, that doesn't mean it's okay, it's not good. You should talk to them. You should say, hey, this hurt my feelings. Why Did I make you mad? What happened? You should talk to them about that. But don't expect them to be God. Don't expect them to be perfect. And, and, and don't like, get rid of them as soon as they make a little mistake. You know, don't treat your friends like you do like a dirty napkin. Be like, oh, it's a little bit gross now. Throw it away. Oh, hang on to your friends because they aren't going to be perfect 100% of the time. They're going to make a few mistakes. So let's have some grace with each other. The second thing is, uh, this is a big one. Don't chase friendships. Don't even live out these things so that you can just have good friends. Because in the end, that's kind of selfish. Live out these things. Be a true friend because other people need you to be their friend. There's a big difference there. And if I think the answer to the question that we read that quote earlier of why do so many people want friends and they don't have them? Because a lot of people in our culture want friends, but they just want them. Like, I want a good friend. I want a good friend. What can I get from you? What can I get from you? I want a good friend. Instead of thinking like, how can I be a good friend? I, I can be thoughtful to you, and, and I'm going to be here for you when you need me, and, and, and I'm going to be thoughtful and kind and vulnerable and just Go ahead and be honest with you. When we are thinking about the other people, this crazy thing happens. They become better friends to us. And we honor God in that. And so when we think about being a true friend, realize that other people need you. One of the things that never ceases to amaze me is sometimes we think, well, that person's fine. That person probably doesn't need a friend. I mean, we found this out when we knocked on a bunch of apartment doors a couple months ago in this neighborhood. And we were blown away by how many people just were glad to talk with somebody and to have somebody pray for them. Because sometimes we're like, wow, nobody would open their door. No stranger wants to talk to me. And yet, why do people want to talk to you? Because people need friends. And we go through this life so isolated. And so never, never go at this thing just thinking it's all about you. It's all about honoring God and being a friend to other people. And as, as we think about this, 
to today, a lot of what I'm talking about today kind of hold hands with last week's sermon about the schedule, especially when it comes to social media. I think there's so many things that hold hands here, and I'm going to give you a few examples, but when this is for everybody, because I used to just think this was a young person problem, and I think it's an every person problem. If somebody's talking to you, like face-to-face, and your phone rings, here's a little tidbit, silence the phone, because that person is right there. They're more important. Now, if it's, you know, like one of these families, and it's the spouse saying, I'm going into labor, say, I'm going to leave now, and you run, okay? (laughs) But if it's not an emergency, you know, at the very least, say, I am so sorry. Do you mind if I get this? It's, It's an emergency, or it's really important. But other than that, we... Like, talk to the people right here. It's one of the reasons we come together as church. We, don't, we could just send this thing, broadcast signal to your homes. You could watch it in your pajamas every morning. We don't do that because face-to-face stuff is important. Be with people. Let them know you and see you and, and be their friend. And sometimes technology can really get in the way of that. I'm pretty sure that God did not create human beings to have 2,000 friends. But we have them on Facebook, don't we? I'm not saying it's wrong to accept a friend request from that kid you kind of knew in third grade PE. I am saying that maybe we need to really give priority to the people in our lives, in our world. And I think sometimes social media works against us a little bit, even with the use of the term friend, maybe. Because I can't care for a thousand problems today. But I hope I can care for 10 or 15 or 20 if somebody in that circle has a real need. So every week we've been doing a declutter challenge, and here's how this works. I'm going to ask every person in here to do this declutter challenge, and then we'll get to some optional stuff, okay? Here's the declutter challenge for the week. Go out of your way to thoughtfully encourage three friends this week. What would happen if we all went out of our way to just thoughtfully encourage three friends this week? I'm going to ask everybody in this church, to do that this week. That's the big challenge, okay? I'm not going to give you more specifics. You all figure it out. You'll, you'll come up with better stuff than I could give you options for. But I do want to give a couple other optional challenges, and you may want to do, take one of these challenges in order to kind of declutter some of the stuff in your life and to help you be a better friend. So here's just a few options, and if you want to do one of these or a different one, then write it down on that sticky note, and you're going to stick it on that chalkboard before you leave today. So here's some options. Write a handwritten letter to a friend using gracious, encouraging words. Who here loves to get a handwritten letter? You like them? My friend Matt was telling me he got a really awesome handwritten letter last week that meant the world. It's great to send text messages and emails too that you encourage people, but maybe just for this challenge, write it out by hand. That's pretty great. Um, Here's another option. Go through the friendship devotionals each morning. We've put five devotionals that are to help you be a better friend. If you have a family, this would be great to go through as a family. We've put those on the Highland Park Facebook page, so you can just go there. If you enter an email, you can download the devotions for free. And so that's an option for you, for some of you, if you aren't going through some devotionals right now, that would be one. Here's another option. Ask God every morning to lead you to someone needing a friend. It's a little different spin on this thing. I think if we pray, God, send me to someone who needs a friend, I just think he answers that prayer an awful lot of the time. Okay, here's the last, one. Here's the last kind of option to get you thinking. Spend twice as much time with friends face-to-face or personal conversation. So that could, you know, like phone call or whatever. Do twice as much as that 
as just surfing on social media. So that, this kind of would be like a next step of maybe now we're introducing social media back into our lives a little bit, and maybe we're going to just do that in a healthier way. So those are some options for you. We're going to give you 60 seconds to pray and write down on one of those sticky notes what you think your challenge will be, and then you can hang on to that. But see what God wants you to do. I'm just going to ask you to lean into this, and I think God teaches us stuff when we take a chance like this, okay? You got 60 seconds. Go. In John 15, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. If you have struggles in your life, regardless of what they are, the answer begins with saying yes to Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as your friend. God would come and say, I want to be your friend. I want to change your heart, your soul from the inside out. And if this morning you would like a friend like that in Jesus, we'd be glad to talk to you, to, to pray with you. You're welcome just to come up on this front row right over here on this side. Some folks would be glad to pray with you. If you would like to mark on your card that you want someone to study with you or pray with you or meet with you this week, we'd be glad to do that as well. Would you stand up and let me pray with us? God, thank you for being our great friend, completely trustworthy, vulnerable in every way, thoughtful in every way. You've never let us down. And we thank you for being a friend like that to us. We pray that you would change us from the inside out so our souls can be whole and full to follow you. In Jesus' name.